Hello, hello. Welcome to the Making a Marketer podcast, the marketing show for all levels of experience with the best guests in the industry. Get ready to learn and laugh. Here we go with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Social Media Examiner. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 50. That's five zero fifty. 50. Episode 50, so excited. Our guest today is Neil Schaefer, and our topic on the Making a Marketer podcast today is living in the age of influence. But first, Jen Cole, my co-host, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing really great. I'm sure you're barely busy at all getting ready for this small event that's happening in San Diego in the next 10 days or so. I'm just twiddling my thumbs. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Really quickly. You're like the Twitter god right now. You are. I love you so much. (laughs) Monitoring in the wee hours of the night so that Jen wakes up to almost inbox zero. That was my mission. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm going to say hello to Neil, our guest. How are you, Neil Schaefer? I'm doing awesome. I, I feel like I'm on a roller coaster ride that's about to start. I have my seatbelt on and I'm just bracing myself for the next 45 minutes of conversation. <laughs> nice. I don't want to say this and then have us not be funny, but we laugh a lot on the show. Yes, so I do want to say this show is sponsored by Powers of Marketing, strategic marketing development and execution because your marketing should be strategic and powerful. All right. Now I'm going to give Neil's bio. And then I have a great little story to tell, which will hopefully make any noobs, anyone who's just getting started in social media will be inspired by it. Okay, Neil, he is a leading authority on helping businesses through their digital transformation of sales and marketing through consulting, training, and helping enterprises, large and small, develop and execute on social media marketing strategy, influencer marketing, and social selling initiatives. President of the social media agency, PDCA Social, Neil also teaches digital media to executives. He's also the author of three books on social media, including Maximize Your Social. For those who can't see the screen, I just held it up. (laughs) It doesn't play well on an audio podcast. Uh And in, in March 2020, we'll publish his fourth book, The Age of Influence, The Power of Influencers to Elevate Your Brand. And there it is. Now he's holding it up. And we'll have to take a picture with us holding up both the books uh, before the end of the show on educating the market on the why and how of every business should leverage the potential of influencer marketing. Now, he didn't ask to talk about this, but I thought this is the perfect topic. We could talk about all things social with Neil, but this seemed perfect since his book's about to come out. And he's speaking on this subject at Social Media Marketing World coming up. All right. So I have this book and it is tabbed and it is signed and I'm going to read what it says. Megan, thanks for coming out tonight and good luck on your business proposal tomorrow. Hope you enjoy the book and do let me know if I can ever be of any help. Now, this was fall of 2013. I got that client and I still have them. So thank you for your inspiration. And I just thought, that awesome. right? I was like, this is perfect for today. He's got a new book coming out now. And are you going to do a signing? Again? You know, it's funny. Was that at the uh, bookstore in La Jolla? Warwick's, yeah. Yeah. So it's really funny. I was just on a phone call with someone and I mentioned, I, I, I kid you not, I literally had this phone call 30 minutes before this podcast. And I mentioned he wanted to get into speaking more and he was already doing well, but 
I'm like, you just got to get out there. You never know. So I did not do a book signing tour for Maximize Your Social, but I was invited to speak at Warwick's. I went to Warwick's. There were maybe 25, 30 people in attendance, right? Oh, that's right. It was a social media club event. That's right. Correct. It was social media club. There weren't that many people there, but obviously the crowd was full of influencers like Megan Powers. <laughs> well, in that room was someone who worked on events for a large bank that ended up reaching out to me after I talked and bought my book and said, hey, we'd love to work together with you to put on events for small businesses and teaching them about social media marketing. So they ended up hiring me to do like 15 different events throughout the country over the course of three years from that event, right? Wow. So yeah, so that that night at Warwick's is deep in my memory. And I met, you know, I remember meeting you, Kari like Safari. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Jen Herman was there, believe it or not. I don't even know if you knew her then. I didn't. She was already she was already blogging for my blog called Maximize Social Business and something that not a lot of people were into called Instagram. Yeah, she was there that night as well. It was quite a night, actually. Wow. Yeah, Kari and I stood in line together to get our, our books signed. And she is also partially responsible for, I mean, she helped me too. She gave me all sorts of ideas nice. for, my, for my pitch. So Now, my, my wife wants to help me sign. I, I have like hundreds of pre-orders and I, I, I need to sign the books, right? And so my wife took a few of them and said, I want to give these to some of my friends. I'm like, cool, let me sign them. So I was writing individual messages to each one of them. She goes, Neil, you don't need to do that. You, you don't have enough time. I'm like, no, every book is enough. It's like the Japanese tea ceremony. Right? It's like every experience where you engage with someone is the opportunity to not necessarily promote yourself, but to connect with them, right? And the best way to connect is to try to write as individualized a message as possible. So I'm glad I wrote one for you because I don't always have the time if there's like this long line of people, but yeah. um, thank you for mentioning that. That was an awesome uh, uh, segue into the episode. And you might have it read back to you on a podcast seven years later, there you six go. and a half years later. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Right? I love it. All right, Jen, you want to kick us off? Absolutely. I love what we're talking about today. And I know that I can definitely learn a lot from it. So this is going to be really fun, Neil. For those listening who might not know, or who might have a skewed impression of what influencer marketing is, can you break that down for us? Okay, well, well, Megan, since you read Maximize Your Social, you know that I take a very, very holistic perspective on business, on marketing, on social media. So if we look at influencer marketing very, very holistically, I think that Obviously, if you read a lot of blogs and even in you know New York Times these days, they'll talk about influencers. The influencers they usually talk about are of a younger generation and primarily visual. So a few years ago, it started with Snapchat and then it went to Instagram. Now it's going to TikTok. And obviously, YouTubers have always been part of this. But if you take a step back, you know, the concept of influence has existed forever, you know, how to win friends and influence people. What's happened with digital and social media is it's given everybody the chance to build and yield and monetize influence. So yeah, there's Instagrammers that you may have to, you know, pay a few hundred dollars to, to get them to, you know, post your photo. There's other influencers on Instagram that'll do it for free, right? Because they love your brand. And there's also people that have blogs. And there are people that have blogs that if you want to appear on their blog, you have to buy a sponsored post. It's not a sponsored Instagram post. It's a sponsored blog post. There are people that have podcasts that allow brands to sponsor the podcast so they get money for that as well, right? So, and there are, are people that have big email lists that people will pay money for. There are, there's affiliate marketing, right? So all this stuff has really been around since, you know, the emergence of, you know, blogging and, and what have you, since the emergence of, of the modern day internet. And it's all part of influencer marketing. So it's not limited 
just as selling cosmetics to 20-somethings on Instagram. It's as relevant to B2C as it is to B2B, as it is to nonprofits. And yes, even to governments, because if 2016 was the social media election, it looks like 2020 is starting to look like it might become the influencer election with, with uh, what Michael Bloomberg has done recently. So, you know, influences everywhere. And even in the influencer marketing industry, where they define influence by number of followers, which obviously only gives you one side of the story, we now see them talking not just micro-influencers, but nano-influencers. Right, so right. if a nano-influencer has a 1,000 followers, how many of your employees have a 1,000 followers in any given social network, right? How many of your followers that have over a 1,000 followers might be influencers that you missed out on? How many of your customers might be nano So you begin to see it's part of this whole trend of brands trying to humanize themselves and become better storytellers, but at the end of the day, they're a logo. And they just don't perform as well in what should be organic social media. And people resonate with people, right? It's always been that way. And we're starting to see as social networks, you know, more aggressively monetize uh, their offerings, you're beginning to see that for, you know, the way I look at it is if you're a company and you really want to get the word out about you and no one's talking about you, you you're either going to pay a lot of money for advertising that a lot of people tune out, or you're going to make yourself more relatable and you're going to incite word of mouth by, by collaborating. I'm not saying hiring influencers. I'm introducing the concept of looking at social media, not as a place to market, but as a place to collaborate and let other people do the talking for you. And that's like the heart of my definition of influence marketing. And after I did this, I, I see that there's so many people who just get it wrong. They don't, they don't see it that way because they've been miseducated, right? They've been miseducated by, you know, it might be other people like me, other like marketing authors who say influencer marketing is a total scam. And there are people out there that are saying that, right? Or it might be they just focus on that Instagram audience, or they look at people like Logan Paul or these, you know, I'm not going to pay a Kardashian a million dollars for a post. Well, you don't have to, right? So that's sort of the heart of the way I see it. And as I did more research in, you know, sourcing case studies from around the world for my book, I realized, wow, there's this big gap between what marketers know about influencer marketing and what they should know and the potential it has for any business. And that really is what propelled me forward in, in writing the book, right? And that's it's what propels me now. And every time I speak and include in this podcast and coming up at social media marketing, what is really, you know, the passion to, I don't want to say re-educate because there's more and more marketers that get it, but there's still just a lot more that don't. So I've always seen my role as like an educator of sort of trying to provide a new, fresh perspective that helps both marketers. And in this case, it also helps people that maybe want a side hustle, want to become more influential in their industry. I'm hoping I can actually help both sides of the coin. So that's my take on influencer marketing. I'd say it's, it's really digital influence, right? It's right. not just social media. It's a website. It's a podcast. You know, it's an email list. It's, it's anything digitally where you have a community that listens to you. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So that's it. That's the show, folks. <laughs> we did it. Yeah. Record time. What else do we need to talk about? He just covered it all. <laughs> so, the devil's um, in the details, though. For sure. Well, so my question was going to be about like dispelling the myth that influencers only paid models and, and famous people because there are different levels of. And my example is when I work in the meetings and events industry, that fire festival really through things into a tailspin, right? Like, of course, people are going, well, the models and the beach and the whole, like they totally oversold it. How dare they? In the words of Seth Godin, all marketers are liars. That's well, nothing new, right? Yeah, <laughs> fair. Yeah, fair. But there are TV ads that oversell things, right? So. <laughs> absolutely. So to blame it on these 
models or on the notion of influence, I just thought was really silly. So how can brands like and businesses diversify influencers? Like how can they kind of get those micro influencers and people who are like, I wouldn't consider myself an influencer. However, like you said, it's all the things I'm doing, right? But by virtue of this podcast, I am in a way, but also someone pointed out to me that because I post, I create content for my clients in specific industries. And so by virtue of that, what do they call me? A, a like a stealth influencer or an undercover, undercover influencer, because I'm the one doing the posting, but I'm doing it on behalf of the brands. Anyway, that was a lot to say. How can, how can businesses like kind of diversify how they're doing it? Well, I think the first thing is that businesses need to take a step back and you know, are they working with influencers or not, right? There should be a line item in their budget that says whether it's influencer marketing or influencer collaboration. And, you know, what are they putting in and what are they getting out? And, you know, there are some companies that could continue doing what they're doing. But where I tell companies to start is, you know, the traditional way that a lot of people learn about influencer marketing is number of followers, right? And the people with the more followers have, you know, they, they charge more, but you get the most exposure. I take a very, very different look at that because I've experienced, and maybe Megan with your clients, you've experienced well, I've, I've ran influencer marketing campaigns and I've had brands reach out to me as an influencer as well. And if you don't know the brand, you know, a lot of influencers just don't want to have anything to do with it unless they're really bought into it or unless they're going to get a lot of money. And if they end up getting a lot of money for something they're not interested in, but they're doing it for the money it's a lose-lose, right? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a win for the influencer. They get a lot of money, but right. the content is not going to be heartfelt. They're not going to promote it as much as they probably should because they don't feel part of it. And it's going to become a very transactional relationship. And I think a lot of brands have been burned by spending way too much on those transactional relationships in Instagram. And, and that's why they're flocking to the micro and the nano because they're more authentic, right? And they're able to find people that are not, you know, they haven't either overpriced their fees in the market or they are the up and coming influencer and really are really hungry to work with brands and really showcase their talents, what have you. So I think that, you know, first of all, let's take a look at the people around us. So I have this sort of, instead of going outside in and trying to like, you know, put your binoculars on and who the hell and 1 billion Instagram users might be a great person to, you know, to work for us. Why don't you start with your followers? Like, have you ever looked at your followers and analyzed are there any nano micro influencers amongst our followers, right? Have you ever taken a look at your email database and, you know, tried to look at people that buy a lot of your product and see if these people might be in social media? And there, there's, we're beginning to see some tools. Obviously, you can create custom audiences, what have you. And you could create a custom audience for your VIP customers, right? And try to get them to, you know, to, to, to contact you. But it really starts by looking not outside in, but inside out. You know, beginning with the people that have the most brand affinity for you, you, know, you have followers, you have customers, you have partners, maybe distributors, maybe channel partners, and then you have your own employees. And, and I do think that if we define nano influencers, as I said, as a thousand followers, more and more your, your employees are involved. And the problem we have, and, and Megan, I've talked about employee advocacy, like at Social Media Marketing World many years ago, and I, you know, it's brought up in my book as well, Maximize Your Social, but the problem with those programs was they just assumed that we'll just create, the, we'll just like invest money in a tool and people opt in and they'll just share whatever we want them to share. It, it doesn't work that way, right? But when you treat employees just like you would treat those influencers, right, that you want to reach out to, if you treat them in the same way and you have a collaborative relationship and you teach them, right? Their interest in your you know, program succeeding 
is equivalent to their interest in, in, you know, wanting to do better at their job. And I think now with millennials being a majority in the workplace, and we know that they're very much digital, if not social first or, or digital and social first, that there's more opportunities to look inside and find those people. And I think the other side of the coin here is not just to think of influencer marketing for amplification, but to think about it for content creation and really leveraging what we call UGC or user-generated content. When you do that from influencers, we call that influencer-generated content and really use you know, influencers wherever they are, whether they're in your company or outside or micro or nano, what have you. you know, the key thing is they're content creators. Megan, you are a content creator. You have a podcast. There are a lot of companies who would love to get in front of your audience in your podcast. So every, you know, every person that has created a community in social media or digital, wherever, they are, you know, at the essence, content creators. Now, there are like some meme accounts that have a million followers and we don't know who's behind them. And they're just pure memes that are, you know, curated from other people. I'm not talking about those types of accounts. Those are like media now. They're like the Time Magazine of Instagram, right? But when we talk about people, they are content creators. So instead of creating organic you know content or paid social ads that are that just visually completely look like ads you know why don't you tap into this wonderful world of content creators all around you and leverage that as a content creation hub so that's sort of a new way that more and more smart companies are looking at influencer marketing so you know there's there's many different ways to get started and maybe just purely the content creation way is a great way to get started because you probably have a budget for content creation and, you know, using some of that budget, if not all of it, to work with influencers and to start that relationship is a win-win, right? You're putting some skin in the game. They're going to teach you a lot and you're going to be able to leverage that content across all of your digital and social activities. So that's probably where I would start in addition to, once again, spend some time, look at your followers across all of your social media, your email list, your employees, and really get a feel for are there 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 people that you can begin to have a conversation with and say, hey, you know, we want to, you know, somehow collaborate. You know, do you collaborate with companies? What's your model for collaboration? What can we provide you? And as a company, as a brand, there's so much you can provide people. It's not just money. It could be product. It could be a unique experience. We're already seeing, I think a lot of it's happening in Australia, New Zealand, Instead of just paying influencers money to post a product, they'll take them on trips, right? They'll pay for them to travel somewhere and they'll create unique content from that, but also create a better relationship because they're copying influencers, you know, going to some amazing places throughout the world. So there's a lot of different ways of thinking about it, but it really starts with that mindset that, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to engage in transactional relationships here. We are going to, you know, invest in, we're going to create a community. And it's going to be a community based around collaboration and mutual benefit. And from that, you know, as a company, you're going to gain, you're going to, and you're going to learn a heck of a lot. And that is really the the right path forward in, in social and digital media. Yeah. So th- that just, I, uh, for my restaurant clients, I have had lots of people reach out to us and say, well, if you give, you know, give us a free meal and we'll put and I so and I haven't pulled the trigger on any of that because to me it feels kind of like, well, first of all, we already have so many, we have so much user generated content with so many people already doing it without having to give them anything in exchange for it. But also it just seems it just seems a little skeevy to me. So yeah, you definitely gotta do it right and you gotta have a you know strategy behind it. So I also be without that have never wanted to just go, okay, yeah. Actually, I take it back. We did have one person, she's a vegan who has said, you know, I've been to your restaurant. You guys do a good job of, you know, of giving me what I need. 
even if it's not on the menu, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, so, and then we'll get into regulations and all that in a little bit. And Megan, I just wanted to comment on that. Yeah. So in a, I, I talk about digital media being everywhere. So as someone who has a blog, neilshafer.com, it has domain authority of 55. I get my share of all sorts of requests, similar to, hey, give me a freebie and I'll post a photo for you, right? right. So this is a great one. I get this all the time. And I'm sure Social Media Examiner gets a ton of these. Like, hey, you know, I wrote this great resource. It'd be really great if you link to it from your site. So yes. <laughs> I, actually, I actually use Active Campaign and I put these people in a funnel. So I automate this message I sent to them. And it's like, you know, and I'm going to read this to you. And I'm going to read like his response and my response because it, this really from a influencer content creator perspective, you don't want to undersell yourself. But it also from the restaurant perspective, this is what I'd want to tell those people. So I say, hey, thank you for sharing your content with me. I'm sure because this person did not go through my web contact form, right? So I'm sure using a tool or following someone's advice that, that if you reach out to enough bloggers, they'll link back to your website. Unfortunately, as a small business owner, I don't have enough time. I also don't think it's fair to simply link out for, for nothing, right? Did you know the average cost of buying a link is $361.44? And I put a little link to you know, where that data is from. <laughs> so the guy writes back saying, hey, man, you know, I agree. It, it's so ridiculous to have to buy links. It's so expensive. But you know, if you were to you know, link back to us, you know, but if you, uh, you know, we, we might be able to like, you know, work together in the future. And so I said, and this is if I was a restaurant, I'm like, hey, well, if I knew you, I saw that you had followed and engaged with me in social media, that you were a member of my list. Maybe you reviewed one of my books on Amazon. And if I think you're a true fan, I might want to help you because I'm a human being and influencers are human beings, right? Right. But if it's out of a blue email that doesn't even come through my web contact form, it's really hard to sympathize. Yeah. So, and I, I love, I mean, I feel I'm on a mission to educate, right? So yeah. it's like, dude, right? Yeah. And I literally, I literally look this guy up. Is he following me on Twitter? No. Or his company? No. Are we connecting on LinkedIn? No. So uh, if I was a restaurant, I'd like, have you ever dined with us before? Yeah, right? totally. What was your favorite? When was it, right? What was your experience? Have you ever reviewed us on Yelp? Why give something to people like that? I'd want to reach out to the people on Yelp, right? Right. That have actually reviewed the restaurant and say, we love the review. We're, you know, the next dinner's on us. So yeah, that that's my take on that. And I, I don't want small businesses to get duped by influencers and try because the true influencers are not doing that. It's right. not in their best interest, right? Those are just people who can buy fake followers and try to get free meals, right? Right. And feel really good that they get those free meals. And and we've heard the feedback of, you know, the pushback of like this hotel in Dublin that stopped, you know, letting influencers stay there and, and just all this stuff. But yeah. you know, I, I think the businesses that buy into that as well are half the blame. If people think they're going to get a freebie, they're going to try going down that road. Right. Yeah. And I think maybe I should double down on those super fans we already have who are engaging quite a bit on Facebook. And and I like the idea of like inviting some Yelpers as well. Yeah. So um, my, my concept or definition of influencer marketing encompasses both employee advocacy and brand advocacy for your fans, right? It's all whoever has digital influence. And if they're writing a Yelp review, that's influential, as you know. Right. If they're engaging in your Facebook page, and it's, it's raising the algorithms so that more people see your content or they're raving about you and other people see that, they're yielding some influence there. Yeah. So sure. that's the, the value of those super fans. And I mean, you know, Pat Flynn's said a lot more about this than I can. So <laughs> yeah. everyone can read the book. But. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, so Neil, I'm, I'm really excited because uh, here in a couple of months, we're having my friend Bree Anderson, who, by the way, is also from Wichita, Kansas. Um, she's going to be on our show and she's going to be here to talk about her thing, which is SEO. But the notion of it being a level of influence is interesting. Do you mind explaining how SEO and influencer marketing kind of work together? So SEO is trying to get more digital influence in search engines, right? Yeah, yeah. The more influence the search engine sees that you have, 
the higher you appear in the rankings, and there's obviously tremendous business benefits to showing up high for certain keyword searches. So how do companies do this? Well, part of it is there's like an on-site aspect where you create content and you optimize that content uh, based on hopefully keyword research that you did, that you're creating content around things that people are actually searching for, which a lot of bloggers fail at, believe it or not. So you you do that and then you have your on-site content and you wait for people to come. And if a lot of people come and they stay on your site a long time, you know, there's certain signals that Google looks at, you will get higher and higher in the rankings. But what really helps your site, everybody can do that, right? But not everybody can get links from other sites. And not everybody can get links from influential sites. And what I've found, I started my blog in 2008. And it's like, why do these, why, why can't I outperform these other, you know, companies in, in search? A lot of these places just have tons of backlinks. Mm-hmm. And when I did more, and this is something that I've started doing really, really recently, when I look back into it, you know, part of it is guest blogging on a lot of other sites mm-hmm. and getting the link back to your site. There are others, and this is really called blogger outreach. Once again, blogger outreach as a keyword. I had someone named Kristen Matthews who worked at a company called Group High that was recently acquired by Maverick, one of these big influencer marketing tool companies. She was blogging about blogger outreach like back in 2010 when the influencers at that time were the mommy bloggers, right? Who had the big communities. <laughs> right. So the blogger outreach is like, let's reach. And that was what this person did to me. He was reaching out to me saying, we have a great resource. You should link to it because it's going to benefit your readers. There's a lot of different types of blogger outreach campaigns that exist, right? One of them is the guest post. One of them is, well, if I can't guest post, can I pay you money and you'll insert a link? Or can I buy sponsored content? And Google obviously does not want people buying links, but for sponsored content, as long as you disclose and you use no follow, they're, they're totally okay with that. There are rules that they have. And even like marketing props, if you were to go on their site, if you pay $2,000, you can get your content published on their site. But the value of getting your content published on marketing props, which is like a domain authority like 80, and if you're a domain authority like 20, and you have a post on influencer marketing tools and you link from marketing props to your site with those keywords, leading to a post about influencer marketing tools, Google sees that and you're going to rise in the rankings, right? And if you keep getting that from all sorts of different places, Google's like, wow, this page has tremendous authority about this keyword. So I was really lucky. And this is actually the first time I'm going to tell the story. But I started blogging about LinkedIn, right? My first two books were about LinkedIn. I I niched down before it was really popular, and now I don't want to be stuck in a niche. So I'm very holistic. <laughs> but, but I was very lucky because I blogged about something called LinkedIn Lions. And there was a, a gentleman named Jason Alba who wrote a book called I'm on LinkedIn, Now What? And it was the best-selling LinkedIn book for quite a number of years. This is like 10 years ago, right? But he actually wrote a post about the LinkedIn Lion movement, and he linked to my blog using the term LinkedIn Lion. And that started, I mean, I got just tremendous tremendous traffic from that and authority on the topic of not just LinkedIn Lion, but LinkedIn, which which really helped my blog in the early years. So that is the influencer marketing here is how can we get websites that are more influential than us to link back to our site? Because that's how we yield more influence. So like I said, it may not be Instagram, it may be SEO, but it's all based around the same concept. How do we work our way up this like pyramid of influence? Because the higher we get, you know, the more business advantages we have. And, and the higher you get, the more you need to yield that. So it's really interesting. I compete for things like influencer marketing statistics, and I'll find sites that rank like in the top five that don't that have nothing to do with influencer marketing. They're like a pay-per-click company, but they know that once you have a high domain authority, you need to yield that and you need to keep creating content so that you can take advantage of that. 
and rank higher and higher in more and more keywords across more and more industries. So yeah. th there's also this part, once you yield that influence, it, 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 it makes it easier for you to rank, but you need to make sure you do rank and you need to use that influence to actually collaborate with others and help them, right? Because they become your biggest advocates, your biggest fans, and you know they're going to religiously link to you in the future if you do that. So it, it covers a lot of different aspects, but that's really where this convergence of SEO and influence, I don't see a lot of people talking about, but I think they yeah. should because that's really, anybody can blog. A lot, there's just so much content out there. It's content overload. It's a commodity. What differentiates yourselves in the search engine? The technical onsite is, is pretty easy to do. If you, you know, read a few books, take some programs, spend time on it, but it's that backlink, like authentic backlink from relevant sites with relevant keywords that have a higher domain authority, which is the key thing that you really can't buy, right? You need to influence your way into that. Yeah. It's funny. I, I feel like TikTok is that on steroids right now. I don't know if you guys have seen our friend Chad posted the other day about how his niece had 14 followers starting at the beginning of the day. And then she made some post on TikTok that just went absolutely crazy. And now she's got 14.7 thousand followers just from one <laughs> little post. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? That's amazing. And so now she's a TikTok influencer somehow. It, it's Google on steroids. I swear it's weird. Yeah, we need to do a show on TikTok. Oh, yes. Sure. That would be fun. For sure. Well, you know, it, it's funny. I spoke at a class at USC like two weeks ago, and the person speaking before me was the director of content marketing for Snapchat. And the analogy is that Snapchat, you know, being the social network that was born in LA, not in Silicon Valley, it's all about the entertainment. Uh -huh. So they say, we don't, we don't really work with influencers. We provide entertainment. It's almost like TV for a new generation. Yeah. They just want people to tune in and stick for a few hours. And, and TikTok is really an extension of that, right? Yeah. But it's obviously all around dance and music. And there's, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people. And I know my, my daughter, who's a freshman in high school, she'll, she can watch it for a long time, right? And it's, yeah. it's supply demand. There's so much demand right now with very little supply. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, cause I'm on TikTok as well. And I'll, I'll look at a video and she goes, Oh, that's from Musical.ly. That's not like the real TikTok. It's not like the real viral stuff that you see now. <laughs> so yeah, it's vintage. <laughs> hey, Instagram, <laughs> it used to be able to get so many followers so quickly on Instagram. It's not like that anymore. Right? Yeah, so with every, yeah. with every social network, there's like the supply demand and there's, you know, there's demand of if you're a great dancer, you know, I don't know how it's going to help your ROI of your business, but <laughs> if it feels good to get lots of likes, lots of followers and go for TikTok, that, that's not my thing. No. Oh, I should get, I should get the cooks in the kitchen dancing. Oh, I tell you what, you can have a lot of fun. I've, I've been watching Ma what Michaela Alexis has been doing on TikTok and it just cracks me up. I need to check it, it out. It's oh, like an outlet. It's, dang. I don't know. But anyway. Okay. Yeah. But, but, but it, it yields influence because right. it's, you're, you're tuned into that person. You remember that yeah. person, right? And then yeah. it's like, oh, Michaela, I haven't been in touch with her for a while. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll do business with her. I don't know. Right. But that, that's yeah. sort of how it works. Yeah. Okay. So we are about halfway. And on this show, Neil, we like to take a little brain break. So we're going to let our minds be free here for a minute from all the awesomeness. <laughs> and uh, we're going to say, all right. So if you only get one thing out of attending a meeting or event, conference, convention, summit, you only walk away with one thing, what would that be? And I'm going to let Jen answer first because she got to see the question in advance. Yes, I did. I would say if I could walk away with even one collaboration of some sort, that would make me super happy. I, I love collaborations. They're a lot of fun. 
In what way? And what kind of what kind of collaboration? It could be anything. Like it could be guesting on each other's podcasts. It could be having a Facebook live show together. It could be creating a new series together. Any kind of exciting collaboration. You never know. Uh, we always say to expect serendipity. So I, I like to go into it thinking maybe something collaborative could happen. And then usually it does. You put the vibes out there. I swear they come back. It is amazing. And so if I could walk away with some sort of plan or collaboration, and Megan, you and I developed a podcast one year. (laughs) 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 You just never know. Yeah, true, true, true. (laughs) All right. What about you, Neil? I think that collaboration is awesome. I was going to take one step, you know, further back and just say a true connection with someone with a potential for future collaboration. If it's someone that does something similar to what you do. And if you go to an event like Social Media Marketing World, there's a lot of people that do what you do. It is, you know, um, maybe that collaboration is in the form of a mastermind or just someone that you can tap into for their experience when you have a problem related to your own business. So I think that there's nothing more powerful than authentic human connection. And that's the value of going to an event like Social Media Marketing World is you have the ability to truly connect. And from that connection, you know, that, that's where it all starts. So that's what I'm looking forward to. With, with every social media marketing world, I look more forward to connecting with more people. And, and I'm the one who does not attend many sessions, but yeah. is out in the hallway talking to people. That's, that's, and I feel bad, but <laughs> that's, that's the ROI for me, right? And so, I don't yeah. like to turn people away. And, I, and I'll talk to someone for an hour. If the conversation goes for an hour, I'm not going to say, well, you only have five minutes. It's just a natural thing that I do. Super smart. Yeah. So meetings and events being my lane that I am in for the most part, this is something that I'm super passionate about this face-to-face communication that happens that with these relationships that we nurture online before and after, right? But having that opportunity to be in the same space is super awesome. So that is for me baseline, but I want to walk away with two to three things that I can execute on. So the education Yes, maybe it's part of that, but maybe it's part of just a conversation, like you say, like I had with someone on a coffee break, right? The magic happens in the coffee breaks a lot of the time. So, so yeah, so, and it helps me from um, feeling overwhelmed by the amount of information that I've ingested, knowing that I can, if I just say two or three things, like I just attended the podcast movement evolutions conference in LA last week. It was like Wednesday to Saturday. And I already, while I was there was executing on the things that I was learning. Cause I had little fires lit underneath me oh, each awesome. day. So doing and not just saying you're going to do, I think is a, is a big thing. Okay. So Neil did point out we were more than halfway through about two thirds of the way through, but I didn't want to interrupt anybody. And that <laughs> happens a lot of the time. So we just have a, a couple more questions for you. Um, so you like to say that influencer marketing should start in an organic way. And, you, you, and you've already touched on this, but can you explain to us like, like what you mean by that? Because we think, you know, organic is organic, but then now you're supposed to say, that this is I'm being paid or I'm I'm you know I'm receiving some compensation in exchange for being an influencer. So what do you mean by organic in this context? What I mean is it's collaboration. It's reaching out to someone and having a conversation not about money, but saying we love your content. Your what your values are so aligned with what we do as a company. We know that you, you know, you you have a large community in social and we have a great product that we think your community would be interested in. How can we work together, right? Are you open for a phone call? You want to come into our office? We'll fly out here. Or, you know, hey, here's a comp ticket for an event, you know? I know I did not go to Podcast Movement, but I'm going to PodFest in Orlando, Florida, 
which is right after social media marketing world, because my podcast hosting provider, Buzzsprout, gave me a comp ticket, right? And they're going to have a party and we're going to get to know each other better. I'm probably going to become a, a bigger advocate of them, right? So that's really, it, you know, start with the conversation. Like I said, there's many different ways to incentivize someone, but you know what? That other person may, may say, you know what? It's my policy to only talk about brands that I use. Awesome. That's an answer. Hey, we're going to just ship you like a year's worth of free product. I hate when companies say, we'll give you a 30 day free trial. It's like, dude, I can get that on your website, right? Right, that's, right. That's nothing special, right? <laughs> right. So, like, o- overflow, you know, go out of your way to make them feel special. And who knows? So, you're not going to be able to, you know, at the end of the day, you want to convert influencers into becoming brand advocates. And it's not going to happen if it's like you reach out, you assume that they take money for a post, and you assume that if you offer them a $25 Amazon gift card, that they'll create, you know, one video, three Instagram stories, and one Instagram photo post to your 15,000 followers. So there's so many brands like that cut and paste template email that I received about linking to that post. There are too many brands that try to scale by cutting and pasting and just sending the same message to everybody. It has to be one to one, because everybody is different, right? So that's what I mean by organic. It's relationship building. It's You know, Mari Smith wrote a book about the new relationship marketing some time ago. So really, you know, it's not a revolution. It's an evolution of all these concepts we've already had. But it's also sort of a recognition and respect for the value of the content that that influencer is creating, as well as the value of their community as it gets harder and harder for you to organically reach those people. And it gets more and more expensive in a medium like, you know, paid advertising that more and more people are tuning out. Right. Actually, you just reminded me, I did get asked if I would be an influencer for this SEO software company in the events industry. And, and I was like, uh, so the, the number that was thrown, Oh, how about a hundred dollars a month? And I was like, for what? Like, what am I, I'm going to need more information than that. Like, are you requiring me to, you know, tweet three times a month or like, what is it exactly? And I never got a response. I had a company. I, I, I'll give you two different social media tools companies because I, I used to run an event called the Social Tools Summit. And I have a lot of, you know, companies reach out to me for advice on, on social media tools. So one company is like, we'll give you, you know, we'll, we'll give you a free version. And we'd love to have you blog about it. So it's like, hey, you know, if I like the product and, I, and when I find the time, I'll definitely do it. And they got back to me saying, well, we haven't seen you blog about us. Uh, if you don't blog about us in 30 days, we can't offer you the product anymore. So huh. needless to say, I will never use that product. And the other company saying, we want to make you a brand ambassador. And the brand ambassador, which you think of as a long-term relationship, right? Their concept of brand ambassador was paying me to publish one post and then sayonara. I never heard from them again. So it's, it's a funny world out there, you know? And it's because companies are not having these conversations they only have this very traditional marketing perspective and they're treating influencers like programmable ad units. We are not programmable ad units. We are people with our own needs and those brands that get that right and can find ways to, to relate and, and collaborate are, are going to be the winners in, in the new age of influence. I feel like I really should pay Mike Elton a huge shout out. What he's doing with Agora Pulse is absolutely, I think it's the epitome of what brands should be doing when it comes to brand advocacy, because he he listens to the way people talk about his brand. Like I accidentally had no idea what he did and, and who I was talking to when I happened to say this to Jeff C one year at Social Media Marketing World. But I said, Agora Pulse is golden. And then next thing I know, you know, I'm being... I'm being talked to by Agorapulse all the time about brand advocacy and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's like organic listening. That's just amazing. And, and it was real. They found somebody that really liked their product and they, they started talking to them. So that's kind of cool. 
which kind of leads me into what I want to ask you about. Um, vetting the perfect influencers for a campaign is very tedious sometimes. What do you think the easiest way that you found that also provides the best matches for a brand? So it's kind of easy, but it, it's also high quality. So you said the wrong C word. <laughs> you said campaign when it should be collaboration. Yeah, right? so, <laughs> that's a good point. So, and and I, I, point. I say it a lot as well, right? But <laughs> it's about having a program. Yeah, it's, and I'm a big fan of Agora Pulse as well, right? It's, yeah, Agora yeah. Pulse has all these people that are brand advocates that, yeah. for whatever objective they have, they might tap into different people because they know they have special expertise or special zones of influence. It's yeah. the exact same aspect. You need to build a long-term relationship by launching a program and reaching out to not a few people but a lot of people, and then when you want to activate because for a month you're doing a special program, you want to find those influencers that best fit the needs of that program. And, and activate them for that, right? Right. So instead of you asking me what's the best fit, you will know this is why you need to have a long-term relationship. The ROI benefits are that after working together a few times, you know the effects of their influence. You know what yeah. they're able to achieve, whether it's from content creation or or pushing web traffic or, or what have you. So just as when I wrote Maximize Your Social, it's all this data-driven strategy to social media marketing, mm-hmm. there you also need a similar data-driven strategy to influencer marketing. And I will say, you know, when I speak at social media marketing world, there is a, a, a CEO of an influencer marketing tool company who said, we have always treated influencers as commodities. Now, an influencer is a person, they're not a commodity, but there's several million. If we go by nano influencer as a, as a definition of an influencer, it, we're not talking like about this exclusive group of 10 or 20,000 people. There are millions of people out there that you can collaborate with, right? Yeah. So I would, I would start with a larger pool because not everyone's going to want to work with you. And develop relationships that are long term. From that, it, you're going to be able to answer your own question, right? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, so thanks for asking Happy that. Ending. <laughs> All right. So one more question, real quick. And I mentioned this earlier that there's FTC regulations now coming down. Obviously, it's not sexy, the sexy part to talk about of all this. But <laughs> can you explain what we should expect and how it'll affect? small and and larger brands? Well, you know, FTC has already come out with some regulations that if you are going to incentivize someone to post on your behalf and there was a transaction in the background, that you need to publicize that. And in a social network, you know, in a blog post, there's a lot more room to do that. In a Twitter post, which is now 280 characters, but even on Instagram, it's usually using hashtag ad, hashtag sponsored, and there are some brands that I've worked with that will go out of the way and say, make sure at the very beginning you put that hashtag so there's no doubt in people's minds. And I think it's really in the best interest of influencers to use the hashtags as well, because influencer marketing tools will look at all of your posts hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored and will create a different metric, a different KPI that says this is this influencer's track record when they work with advertisers. And then you have influencers who don't really have clients but they'll use hashtag ad in order to dupe that. So it starts this whole other issue. But, you know, it's really funny because there's, it's such an unregulated industry, but digital media in general is not very regulated. So I I don't think it's specific to social necessarily. I I think we've seen a lot with Facebook. Well, what about Google, right? You can post whatever ad you want on Google, whereas Facebook or or Twitter has said, we're not going to do political, what have you. So I, I think that more and more regulation is coming. We've seen it start in Europe. We now have like the California privacy law. And I think it's just, Full disclosure, right? If you are working on behalf of a brand, influencer has to disclose that. And the brand has to go out of their way, right, to make sure that that disclosure is seen real and clear. I've had brands reach out to me saying, we do not want you to say, 
this is sponsored content. I'm like, I cannot do that, right? right? Go find someone else that'll do that because that's going to lead to a lot of bad things. And, and you know, when, when you get delisted from Google, that's going to affect your business. No but, doubt. Um, but yeah, if you stay true to the course of, you know, collaborating and making full disclosure that, you know, you collaborate, I'm a brand ambassador for a company and I want to disclose more and, and let them know. I mean, like Pat Flynn, if you listen to his podcast, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm an investor, I'm an affiliate with, you know, ConvertKit, whatever. It's no big deal. And I often get this knee jerk. Well, they're not going to trust when that person talks about them because they know it's an ad. It's like, of course, we're going to trust because he's a user. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's talking about how he uses it. And if he's an affiliate, that's awesome. You know, I, I want him to get the affiliate revenue if I use ConvertKit yeah. as someone who, who, who he influences. So I think a lot of people just get it wrong. And the FTC, yes, there's going to be more regulations. But just like, you know, the Fire Festival or, you know, the ban of influencers from hotels in Dublin, there's a lot of just, you know, sensational news around influencers out there. You've got to sort of avoid that. And realize that, yes, there's more regulation, but if you, if you follow those really, really simple rules, you're not going to get in trouble. It's only when you try to hide the fact that there is a relationship that you get in trouble. Right. But I will also say, and my publisher mentioned this, even when I talk about employee advocacy, there are laws that exist. So if you are a brand and you want to work with influencers or you want to treat employees as influencers, you absolutely should be working with a lawyer. You absolutely should be you know, tuned in to what the current FTC regulations are. Just to make sure, right, if something goes wrong, you have someone to rely on. But I I don't think, you know, I I think the FTC every once in a while is going to pick on a company that they happen to find that's that's a flagrant abuser. But I think for 99% or 99.9% of companies, as long as you follow those instructions, you're going to be a Yeah, I'm a fan because guess what? There's all these like reality TV people pushing product that I'm like, you do not use that product. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. So awesome. All right. Well, yeah, by, by disclosing the relationship, it actually in some ways makes it believable. Right. And you may not like the product, but it's like, well, if Pat Flynn's going to push whatever product, whether I use it or not, is another story. But yeah, I I think the disclosure in some ways that reverse psychology actually helps the brand and helps the influencer because once they break the trust with their community, you know, their influence starts to break down. For sure. For sure. Okay. Well, I am always amazed at how fast um, these shows go, but I think that you provided so much good information. So I want you to share with our listeners the best way to contact you, which I'm going to guess is going to include pre-buying your book, which I did last night. I didn't follow your instructions in the email. I was like, oh, there's all this bonus stuff. I went straight to Amazon and I totally missed, I missed the opportunity <laughs> to get like your- No, the opportunity until March 16th, the opportunity is still there. So, But I didn't use your link. I went direct. That's went, okay. Just email me. Right, we'll we'll, cool. we'll get that sorted okay, out. Okay. So tell us where to find you. Um, you know, it's funny. I've gone through a number of digital brands. My first blog was called expert answers to your LinkedIn questions, not quite branded. I then went to windmill networking. I came out with maximize your social. This is going to be my new brand. I had maximize social business. So as I was writing my book on influencer marketing, I realized that I needed to yield influence from a singular location. And the best way to do that was have a singular brand. So everything I do, I build influence for. So it's Neil Schaefer, right? N-E-A-L-S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R. I'm Neil Schaefer on every single platform. I do have a podcast called maximize your social influence. And I also, obviously, if you search for Neil Schaefer on Amazon, you you might find this book coming out on March 17th called The Age of Influence. But yeah, (laughs) reach out to me. I'd love to hear your feedback from the podcast. And if I can, just like I wrote in your book, if I can be of any help. 
Fantastic. No, I appreciate it. And you have, you have been, you taught me in the book and then here you are on episode 50 of the Making a Marketer podcast. Thank you. Which I mean, for us, it's a, it's a big milestone. I know for, for podcasters have been around for a while. 50 is like not a major number, but when you're not weekly for us, it's huge. And if we had little glasses of champagne, we would be toasting them. Unfortunately, well, they're virtual, virtual ching ching glasses. So, but I do want to um, ask our listeners, I don't ask this often. And I, one thing I learned at podcast movement that I'm executing on is to ask, you're more likely to get ratings and reviews if you ask. And if you enjoy this show, we would really appreciate if you would rate and review us because that also helps us be more visible and, and get, get the word out to more people. And we love doing this show and we appreciate our listeners so much. We appreciate our guests even more because without guests, there's no show. <laughs> so thanks, Neil, <laughs> for being here with Thank us. You. Thanks, Jen, too, as always. All right, folks, this has been episode 50 of Making a Marketer and we will catch you next time.